And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. A new episode of Wizards After Dark right here for you for the weekend. And uh, we are to we're recording this thing on Friday early afternoon, which means we are officially less than three weeks away from the 2021 NBA draft. If you hear that Whew. sound in the background, that's not sanding. That is that is my producer Andrew Schlecht, who is so excited that we're 20 days away from the draft that he is he is involuntarily rubbing his hands together as if he is about to take down just a load of pasta from wherever Michele is right now in Italy. Uh, we are running back a podcast that we did a few times. I think we did three of them last October, leading into the draft, and they were very well received by my four listeners. And uh, very well received uh, by by the three of us, which is really all that matters. So on on the uh, we're going to run through like four prospects that are in the Wizards draft range. The Wizards have the number 15 pick in the draft. We're going to run through four prospects today. We're planning on doing another one leading into the draft as well, where we look at four or five more guys. I'm sure other guys will come up in the conversation as well. Um, and. Uh, as, as I said last year, nothing has changed that much. I am not an expert on these prospects. Uh, but I've got a couple guys who know, um, I believe the technical term is, they know a crap ton about these guys in the middle of the draft. Uh, and it's my my producer and and a, a host of the Athletic NBA show as well, uh, Andrew Schlecht, and uh, my good buddy over in Italy, Michele Berra. What's, uh, welcome, guys. Welcome back. Let's do this. Let's do it. We love the draft. This is this is how McKelly and I basically became yeah. very good friends. Is we bonded through the draft. So <laughs> that's that's accurate. I mean, I love this time of the year, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, there are a lot of interesting guys where the Wizards yeah. can pick. So it will be. Uh, I think it 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 can be a good draft for many teams that will have a pick between ten and twenty. Um, it's a very deep draft. So oh, there are a lot of options. It's not only big, only wings. There is plenty to choose from. So very interesting year. Yeah. And so a quick rundown before we started off. So the Wizards have the number 15 pick. They don't have a second round pick this year, uh, but they have the number 15 pick in the draft. Like you said, there are some wings in there. There are some bigs. Uh, today we're going to just go through the four guys who we think of of the grouping that we kind of think are the most interesting in, in the middle of the draft. The, the four guys who we consider to be kind of the, highly rate, the highest rated four. And then we're going to move down and do some other guys who are still interesting, but not as, as highly rated the following week. I'm sure they'll come up today too because we leave this thing open for conversation. Um, the first guy we're running through who I think is maybe the most interesting just because he's the guy who everybody, or I shouldn't say everybody, but he's at least the most commonly mocked guy to the Wizards. And if you go to Sam Vecini, our great draft expert at The Athletic, if you go to his most recent NBA mock draft, 
he has Corey Kispert going to the Wizards at number 15. He's a guy who makes sense. Six, six foot seven wing from Gonzaga. Shot 44% from three last year. The dude can absolutely stroke it from deep. I mean, he is an incredible shooter. The Wizards are 29th in three-point uh, three makes last year. They were bottom five in three-point rate. They didn't take a lot of threes. They didn't make a lot of threes when they did take them. They certainly need that skill. If you have Beal and Kispert and Bertans on the floor together, that is a lot of really good shooting you can have out there, which can displace Westbrook, which could even displace Daniel Gafford if he's a guy you have on the floor as well. And then if you add Thomas Bryant to the mix, who's a very good three-point shooting big, all of a sudden you go from a team that can't make threes to now you're capable of putting out lineup that can that could really make an incredible volume of threes. Um, Michele, you are you are always my go-to Gonzaga guy, and the Wizards <laughs> have experience drafting a guy from Gonzaga in the first round. They took Rui a couple years ago. What do you think of Kispert? Well, um, you you mentioned all the key points. He's a great shooter. Um, it's not just a shooter off the catch. And this is why I like him very much because he's a guy that will relocate constantly, uh, that will screens for other, will make screens for other constantly while moving. Uh, it reminds me a lot, and this is a very easy comparison. But uh, if you remember how Kyle Culver was playing in his prime, he was never in the same spot uh, for more than a couple of seconds. And while he while he was moving on the court, then it's constantly screening, back screening. Um, and these guys are extremely useful. They were a couple of years ago. I think that today they are way more uh, in, in, like, way more tutored as prospects. So, um, and Kisper is not a bad athlete. Um, he's fast. He may be not twitchy, like quick twitch. He's not the guy that will uh, react in a split of a second on a defensive possession. But it's not that you are drafting a guy that has no athletic abilities. So he doesn't project as a good defender, which um, this is something that the, the Wizards needs, uh, need, I think. Um, but he, he can be useful there. And he has such a high IQ that I trust him to be in the spot where he should be, uh, that he will rotate well. So um, I think that if he's there, he's probably one of the best fit and um and yeah westbrook westbrook can you too with very good passes and and kisper will will definitely uh make the most of them yeah he's, he's very wizards to me in that like all offense no defense type of guy but he has he's got great size too he's six foot seven mm-hmm. he has a six seven wingspan if they measure him barefoot, well, I don't know why you measure uh, NBA players barefoot because nobody plays barefoot, but he's 6'6 six, six barefoot with a 6'7 wingspan. So he has a plus wingspan, which is good because I think a lot of people think like mm-hmm. white guy shooter probably has a negative wingspan, you know. Uh, yeah, right. T-Rex arms. Because they no, think J.J. Redick. Exactly. I, by the way, I, I hate, hate the height with shoes. I'm all about the height barefoot. Why? And I hate the argument you made, Andrew. Why? I hate it. Because what if you change the type of shoe you wear? You're always going to be wearing shoes, though. Okay. Right, but different but different shoes have different heighted soles. So if you're saying height with shoes, it's like you're wearing shoes that have a one and a half inch sole versus shoes that have a three quarter of an inch sole. You just lost three quarters of a of an inch. You need your baseline. Is that what you're saying? 
you should have to report how thick the soles of your shoes are on top of your height without shoes, and then we can do the math. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't care about the quarter of an inch. He's but he's a legit six seven, and I think that's that's something yeah. that the Wizards need. They they were throwing out tons of small guards in the playoffs and toward the end of the season, and with Westbrook and Beal. It'd be nice to have like a nice wing-sized player that you feel like you can play, and because he is experienced, and like a lot of people think it's bad. Oh, he's, you know, he's over 22 years old. People see that as a negative thing. It it could be a positive thing for the Wizards, and it's a really easy way to find a rotation piece too. I think that he is a rotation piece for next year, and if you can get him and Bertans in there, just bombing threes, you get Westbrook. Oh, just open everything up for Westbrook and Beal. I mean, that's what you want to do. And if the Wizards are going to move forward with this team, to me, this is the guy that makes sense. I think it's it's better to just have that built-in shooting on the roster, and Kispert gives you that from day one. Right. If Kispert yeah, isn't age? a rotation piece this year, then he's not worth the 15 pick. Exactly. Then he's just – because he, he's 22 years old, and if he's if – he's, I'm not saying if he's not a rotation piece, he could never be a good player, but at least for the Wizards, like – part of the reason you take him is because you're trying to win games in 21, 22, the final year of Bradley Beal's contract. And when Bradley Beal says he wants to win and the draft is one way you can add someone. Now it's, it's really hard. You can't really take anybody. If you're outside, you know, maybe if you have, you know, number one pick or something, you're getting Kate Cunningham. Sure. But even number one picks can struggle relatively during a rookie season. It's really hard to take a draft pick and say, all right, this guy is for sure going to help. But the thing with Kispert, the thing with, say, Chris Duarte, who we're not going to discuss today, we might discuss on a later pod, and who the Wizards worked out earlier this week, you know, he's 24 years old too. Like those kinds of guys, the upside to them is, or I shouldn't even say the upside, the, the one of the positives to them is they'll come in and, 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 supposedly in a best case scenario they're more likely to help you right away and and the wizards you know with the way that they seem to be operating might have more value or i should say might place more emphasis on next season than uh, another team maybe in their range would yeah that makes sense and i want to make a little like maybe it's a trivial point uh, on age uh but like to you, you take younger guys because you can see a path to their development as a players, as a player. Uh, but for Kispert, I mean, the thing that he does, the thing that he did at a college level, those are the things that you want to see from a shooter in the league. So to me, development is not as crucial, like the skills he already has. Um, and th- the point that you can make against that is, what if he doesn't adjust to the speed of the league? This is something that is real, uh, that can be real for prospects like him. Um, if you take, for example, um, Doug McDermott, he was kind of the same type of prospect. Like you take a senior, he's a very well-rounded scorer. He has clearly NBA skills, he can shoot it, uh, but he never adjusted to the speed of the game in his early eight, his early days in the league. Now, now he has. So I think that there are very little ways in which Kisper fails as a player in the NBA, but it may, it may take a while. Um, he's a good athlete, so that helps. Uh, and the fact that he will play with a point guard like Westbrook will help him a lot. Because if you, if you hit Kispert with a 
with a nice pass, he's very, very good off the catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he will likely take many trees where his guy will be like, I don't know, 10 feet away. Um, because he, even if you know that he's a shooter, at least for the first few months, uh, until he builds like a, a case for himself, he'll be a guy that he's not guarded as tightly as Bertans or Beal or, or, or other guys. So, uh, yeah, the risk is there. Uh, but for a player like Kispert, I would say I would take that risk. So, Mikkel, I'm going to press you on that because – so McDermott, I actually think McDermott is a more interesting comp for him than Kyle Korver if we're talking about white guys from Creighton. And part mm-hmm. of the reason is um, because I feel like he could end up moving a little more similarly to McDermott, where M- McDermott, everything is, and, and I did a piece earlier this week over at The Athletic, which if you're not a subscriber to, you can check out. You can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can subscribe for three ninety nine a month over there, and you can read this piece where I spoke to a, a scout who was a very well-respected scout about eight different guys who are in the Wizards draft range. And and when we spoke about Kispert, he he mentioned a thing about Kispert, which I thought was well said, which is he might be able to do things that are really legitimate positives offensively other than shoot from three. But mm-hmm. all the things he's able to do beyond shooting from three will be because he's elite from three. Yeah. Um, and, and I think McDermott has a lot of that factor where – McDermott this past year had he had a great quietly a fantastic year in Indiana this year. Yeah. He was great yeah. coming off the bench for them. I mean, he I wasn't really considering him for six man of the year. He he wasn't at that level, but like I have a very inclusive spreadsheet where I have all my guys who are like, you know, 15 guys. He made the spreadsheet. He had a mm-hmm. he had a great year off the bench for them and and part of the reason why wasn't just cuz of his three-point shooting and he used to post up and stuff early when he was in the league. But Hill, when a guy comes comes too close to him, closes out too hard, he can catch and go. If a guy loses him, he he will he will slice defenses apart with back cuts. Now, um, do you see Kispert being able to play that sort of role as well? Is that kind of kind of what you mean when you talk about the the constant the constant movement? Do you see that translating? Well, I think that with, with time, it will probably come. Uh, early on, I don't know. Uh, Kispert is a player that still uh, had the opportunity to play 10% of his possession as a pick-and-roll ball handler uh, with Gonzaga, even if they had Nemhard and Suggs as ball handlers, and even Ayayi uh, to some degree. So he's a player that is comfortable doing stuff with the ball in his hands. Uh, and so I see a potential development with that. He's also okay to slash very good pull-up shooter, so I think that uh, if defenses will start to respect him from there, uh, from from three, then he has more options. Uh, He can attack a closeout, and he can even, again, run a pick-and-roll. So I see him as a guy that is not just a shooter. I don't expect him to be like a guy that every single time he uh, he touches the ball, uh, he will let it fly. Again, because he's a smart player that can do more with the ball. But to me, he is, again, the thing that I like the most, as I said before, is the ability to be... um, in constant motion and create space for other with his motion. So uh, I don't like shooters that are just stand still in the corner. Yeah, those are valuable, but not as much as players that can create advantage while they they are in motion on the court. And I think that Russell Westbrook barely had players like him in his entire career. 
Abrinish was probably Abrinus was probably one of the. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I slipped. Uh, I pressed the Abrinus uh, right there. Um, Abrinus was probably the closest yeah. because he could move uh, around, and, and that was a very good pairing. So I really think. What that, about Doug uh, McDermott? Russ will thrive. But it wasn't. It wasn't that at the time. Um, that's why I see Kispert as um, slightly more interesting. Yeah. Uh, prospect because um, I can see the, the versatility and if you say that Corvert never had really ball handling uh, elite ball handling abilities I, I I agree but the screening to me is as important as being able to do stuff with the ball uh, with the ball in your hands uh, especially if you play with with Russ and Beal that have that are quite good yeah. uh, in the same department all right let's move on to my my personal favorite guy did did you guys see that picture of Moses Moody that Chris Vernon tweeted out where he's he's literally in a doorway and he is bent over and kind of tilted to the side and his right hand is touching the floor and his left hand is reaching over the top of the doorway. Yep. And like that's how they should measure wingspan from now on. <laughs> it should just people people should have to go stand in that doorway and they should have to see if they can reach. He's like standing up. It's yeah. it is insane. You know what you know what the best part is, about that picture is, Fred? What's that? He has no shoes on. <laughs> he has no <laughs> shoes on. It might be more difficult with shoes because then he'd have to reach down an extra inch and a quarter. <laughs> So it might actually be... Or three quarters. Yeah. Who knows? That, that's true. Or three quarters. You don't know. You don't know what kind of shoes he's wearing. <laughs> right. He might be wearing tuxedo shoes, for all we know. <laughs> so Moses Moody, 6'6 wing from Arkansas with arms that just never end. Uh, Sam Vecini has him gone by the time the Wizards pick. Yeah. But uh, but he's worth talking about. Vecini has him going number 11 to Charlotte. That's within four picks. Guys who are projected... You know, Moody's basically projected in kind of that nine to... 13 range, something around there. Um, guys have fallen further than two slots out of their projected range. So I want to talk about him because he's interesting. He's younger than Kispert. He is considered rawer than Kispert. But uh, I, I like him. I think he can catch and shoot. He's athletic from from the stuff that I've watched. And you can correct me if you disagree. I think he's got pretty good defensive instincts already. Uh, mm-hmm. I... I I I could I could see him becoming the exact kind of player that you know every single team in the NBA that's basically not in the finals you look at and you say man if only they just had like a guy who could play really good perimeter defense guard multiple positions and shoot 40% from 3 if only that guy or at least 38% from 3 if only they had that guy and basically every single fan base says that about their team that's extremely true for the Wizards because they just flat out did not have a wing in their postseason rotation this year. Uh, so Modi is Moody is is even more helpful potentially for them down the road. Um, am I overselling, Andrew? What do you think? Uh, no, I I've watched a lot of Moses Moody and I don't. I'm struggling to figure out why he's as far down as he is on a lot of people's draft boards. Like I I cannot fathom why someone would take Jalen Johnson over him. Uh, I think that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, even Franz Wagner, like I, 
I'm just, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I just can't get there. Uh, I think he's going to be a knockdown shooter. He was one of the best players from two in college basketball this past year. Uh, he was a go-to scorer for a good school. And we also know that because he played at Montverde with an incredible team in high school, uh, he's very willing to fit in uh, with a group two. So I, I, don't see, I don't see a lot of downside with him. He's not as knocked down a shooter as you would want, but I think he can get there. Like Kispert's a much, much better shooter. Uh, than Moody is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Moody yeah. has just more juice as an offensive player. Like You can already see he's going to be able to do more. Uh, I think that he'll operate in a pick and roll in spots. I think that he'll his pull-up game from two is going to be a weapon. And I think he's awesome. I think this is he's a really, really good player, and I think that he'll contribute. I think he can contribute right away. I don't think you're going to have to wait on him just because he already has the skills that you want with three-point shooting. He can defend. He's not the best athlete. Uh, Kispert's probably faster than he is, if you want to talk about just like an athlete. But I I like his length. I like his size. Uh, to me, it's, he's kind of a no-brainer pick. Um, and I, I mentioned Montverde. He played with Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes at Montverde, which is just a fun story for those guys coming into this draft, that they're all going to be lottery picks. Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that John, John Wall once told me when those guys were all in high school, mm-hmm. John Wall told me we were, we were talking. I can't remember if he said this in an interview or if we were just talking, but John is like obsessed with high school basketball. And yeah. we were just talking about the best teams of all time. And John Wall said, you know, the Montverde high school basketball team is the best team I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I've had multiple like people the, tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the KD mm-hmm. Warriors are the best basketball team. The '96 Bulls are the best team I've ever seen in my life. What are you talking about? John's like, no, nah, the Montverde High School basketball team is the best team I've ever seen. I was like, they're why? Sick. He was like, yeah. he. But John's analysis and John watches these games. He sits around watching high school basketball. Was you look at all of these guys and they're 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 all now take the message, maybe not the messenger, but uh, John John watches this stuff he knows what he's doing and he, he says to me i I, had, I didn't know at the time all these guys are going to be nba stars and look at them all accepting their role and playing 20 minutes a game yep yeah so he went from like scoring so, like 18 points per game in, at arkansas and like winning like state titles like there he wasn't like leaving stuff on the table there he won state titles in arkansas he was like the man from his sophomore year he was the man and like how many of these kids, you're in high school, you walk in, like you're the guy, say, I will take a smaller role to go play for a better team. I, it's To me, it's one of the more fascinating things about Moody. Because he, he went... And that's, you know, he that's 11, presumably his NBA role. Yeah, yeah. He scored 11 points per game his senior year. Yeah. Like that's, to me, that's kind of something. That's the KD move. KD move. Sorry. <laughs> Well, he left the team to go to play a role yeah. in another team. Sorry, um, I had to say that. Um, I mean, to me, not to like pump the brakes on uh, this excitement, but I don't see anything, any, any way in which he drops to 15. Um, there is 
there are too many precedents to guys that are, that have very good shooting abilities and at the combine they pop in the measurements and to me there's no way that between 7 and 14 like I, I don't see any way the Warriors pass him twice on him like there is just no chance unless they trade their picks but to me if I have 7 and Barnes is not there he's the guy and, and so um, maybe the Wizards find ways to get him anyway so I think it's good to talk about him um, but he has the potential to be the seventh best or the sixth best player in this class. And I wouldn't be surprised to see otherwise. Uh, and I would be surprised if, if that doesn't happen. Um, I think that he's the main concern and probably is why right now there is sort of... Um, uh, he's moving up and down depending on the, on the, on the mock draft that you were looking at because of the fact that he's not a great athlete. Uh, but with that length, even if he's not the best athlete out there, he'll be able to make an impact. I mean, Clay Thompson is not a wildly better athlete than, or, or at least he wasn't in college compared to Moody. So, and he's a great defender. Why? Because he's smart. B. Because he's tall, and because he cares. And so, maybe I mean, Clay Thompson will never shut down guys like KD or or guys like that. But he's, but he's good enough to be a plus defender. And I think that Moody, uh, I re-enter, he's not the same shooter as Kispert, and probably there are other guys that are better shooters than than him in this class. Kate is one, for example. Kate is a much better shooter, um, I think. Uh, but but he, is ex- he will be a useful player. And, um, and the fact that, uh, that you all mentioned about the, he fitting in at Montverde and playing a role and, and then being able to switch back to a more prominent role in offense. I mean, you need those guys. You need the guys that will be adaptable to whichever role you have in mind for them. So, and in terms of fit with the Wizards, that is the perfect fit. Uh, even better than Kispert because, I mean, he gives you shooting. He gives you creation of uh, with the ball in sense. He gives you rebounding. Um, I was scrolling through the stats, and 10% of his shots are offensive rebounds, where he has 1.5 points per possession, which is insane uh, for a guard. But with, with that length, you can trust that to translate to some degree in the league. So, again, to me, put a guy like that alongside Bielan Russ, and he will, he will thrive because of, again, defense, shooting potential, and you don't need him to be an uber athlete to play that kind of role. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, well, uh, 
it sounds like we're all in agreement on this one. Yep. So I will see if he's there. I think the reason we're speaking so highly about him at 15 is because we don't think is exactly why he's not going to be there at 15. Some might say that we are giddy about him. (laughs) Speaking of. Speaking of feeling giddy. Wow. This is the greatest translation ever. Wow. Transition. Sorry. Not translation. That was not the greatest translation ever. No. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of. Josh Giddy, uh, is he a guard? Is he a wing? I don't know. Maybe you'll tell me. Uh, Sam Vecini has him going number eight to Orlando. Uh, I think he's interesting. My favorite thing about Josh Giddy is that if you go to nbadraft.net, which it's ridiculous that that site is still .net, as if it's 1997. Uh, but if you go to nbadraft.net, they have the player comparisons for all the guys, and some are better than others. And Josh Giddy's comparison is Joe Ingles, a fellow Australian, yeah. which is which is the least creative. It would be like saying that my podcast comparison is Woody Allen. It is the <laughs> least creative comparison I've ever heard in my life. Um but he handles the ball and maybe you know runs runs point. Is he a point? Um, the Wizards love the international guys. Tommy Shepard has exclusively drafted international players in the first round, and they go out of their way to try to find international players. Right? I mean they they've they've really really prioritized that, and it's extremely clear. It's not ninety nine percent clear. It is 100% clear that they believe a market inefficiency remains looking for international players. I mean, they brought in Wagner. They brought in Bonga. They drafted Rui in the first round. Then they drafted Denny in the first round. They had Howell Neto. They trade for Davis Bertans. They, they, they have a lot of guys. They have, they have Andres Pachesniks. They had, they had two-thirds of the Lapian players in the NBA at one point. Uh, they, they, they believe that to be a market inefficiency. Josh Giddy is, is hardly... Um, He's he's hardly a secret. He's projected to go in the top ten, but uh, let's let's talk about him. Michele, lead us off. Well, I think he's a guy that has very peculiar skills. So he's not a guy that will fit everywhere, uh, and so there is a chance for him to be high on someone's board and not so high on someone else's one. So I I really see him as a prospect that can go anywhere between eight. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Well, even seven, um, seven and fifteen. Uh, again, I don't think he, the Thunder can get there at sixteen. Um, but you know, maybe he's a player that I think will will be a primary ball handler in the NBA, uh, just because he's an outstanding passer. I mean, last year we we watched a lot of clips of uh, Lamelo Ball and. To me, between him and Giddy, there's not it's, there's not a huge difference in terms of being creative passers. He can pass off the dribble. He can pass uh, with one hand, two hands. He can do behind the back, like anything. And he has very good precision. It's not that he's just throwing the ball. He's very accurate, uh, which is something that is very important. And and it's it's not that it's only th- that this is the only thing that he can do on offense. He's really good at the rim because he's tall 
and he has very, very good touch. Uh, the issue with Giddy is that, like, the shooting is terrible. It's it's not something that will translate as it is right now. Uh, he reminds me of Ricky Rubio in terms of shooting motion, but a bit worse, which is, I would say, not great. Uh, can he change that? I don't know. Um, but to me, that shot will not translate to an efficient shot in the NBA. Probably not from three and not from the line. What is what is the issue with the shot fundamentally? Um, the fact that he's broken in two, uh, he raises the ball and then he stops and then you have this flat shot that, that comes out of his ends. It's not a fluid motion. It's not, uh, he doesn't have a good follow through. It's kind of, um, again, uh, if you, if you, if you have in the back of your mind, how, how Rubio takes shots, you can clearly see two parts of the shot. One where he elevates and then where he let it go. This is not the way in which you should take shots. It should be one motion that is fluid and goes um, smoothly from the loading part to the to the release and to the follow-through. That is not there with Giddy right now. So I, I don't see him uh, as a guy that, again, sticking with that kind of motion, that he will be a successful shooter. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard, even if it's he's very, very young. But changing the way in which you take shots it's not an easy task. So if I have to bet today, then probably Giddy will probably make shots, but he'll never be a shooter. I mean, he can be a shot maker, but not a shooter. Yeah, I hate him for the Wizards. I don't like the fit at all. I, they're, yeah. try, they're trying to win now. He's not, I mean, he's 18. He'll be, I think he's the youngest. He's one of the youngest players in the draft, if not the youngest. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take some time to really figure out like what he is and a team that's like pressing to make the eighth seed. Like there's, there's an immense amount of pressure on him to figure out his role and figure it out quick. And a ball handling passing six foot eight player that will have to play on the wing because he's playing next to Westbrook and Beal and maybe he can play some backup here and there, but you really, I mean, rookie backups lose you games. Like that's, just the reality of the NBA. And Josh Giddy will lose you games. He he thinks he's the man, which is awesome. And oh, yeah. he's really he's one of the more fun players to watch because you can just see it on his face like he's bossing guys around, he's running up and down the court. He believes that he is the guy. And I just don't see the like personality fit. I don't see the basketball fit with the Wizards. Uh, he needs somebody that's going to like nurture his skill set, figure out what he is, give him room to grow. Uh, this is—it's basically he just needs a team that's like willing to lose. Like that's like Orlando would be a nice spot for him if OKC could somehow get a hold of him. That would be a great spot for him. Uh, all these other teams that are pushing, like I, the Warriors, could have that could eventually pay off, but not next year. Uh, even if like the Grizzlies yeah. could get him, I would be okay with that. But. The Spurs, it's okay. Spurs is fine. Even the Hornets. Mm -hmm. Like, if the Hornets took him, I don't love the fit there either, but I think they'd give him room to grow. Uh, The Wizards, there's no time to grow. It's it's time to play now. And his skill set now just does not fit because there's not not a lot of ball-handling time left after you have Westbrook and Beal. And you certainly don't want to give to somebody that's probably going to turn it over three times a game. I I I think they should trade up for him. I um, I just want to see I just want to see Josh Giddy 
have a miscommunication with Russell Westbrook, (laughs) bounce a pass to him thinking he's going to back cut, Westbrook go the other way, the ball go out of bounds, and then get a yell at Westbrook. That's that's all I want. And then I just want to see what happens. Shouting matches between he and Westbrook. Oh, my gosh. they They seriously would. They would go at it. Because Giddy's not yeah. somebody that's going to walk in and be like completely submissive to a guy like Russ. No, no, no. Uh, no. I, no. I, personality reason number one, he should not be on the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, but no, I want to make a point that is probably silly, but I'll make it anyway. Uh, if you think that your chances to get to the eight seed have to land on shoulders of a rookie then then it's probably it, it probably will not work yeah. um not that it needs to be so on his shoulders ge- but that it's he's pulling you back he will pull you he will pull yeah, you yeah, back maybe. he will pull you back next year yeah maybe so um but the wizards i know that they have a core and that they want to win uh and, and there is free agency for that um to me giddy could be a player that if you accept that, if you accept that year one, it's probably wasted, completely wasted in development in five, ten minutes uh, here and there mm-hmm. uh, because you believe in in the future uh, because the future of this team will likely not be Westbrook forever or Bill forever. So he is a player that may turn into something extremely special. I agree that he needs opportunities. Um, so it, it all depends on, on what you want to do. I hate the idea of drafting guys, and I hate it for OKC, even if I kind of uh, asked to uh, for, for them to draft a player that made sense. Um, but it's not the way in, in which you should draft. You should draft, yes, thinking about the fit, and, and there I agree with you, Andrew, the fit is not clean. Mm-hmm. He will not have tons of minutes uh, in, in that squad. But in general, I really love the idea of drafting because it, you, you think that that, player in five years will be the best player available yeah uh do you the, trust the, the wizards the, to the develop moment. to develop him to the point where if he's, he's not uh, a crucial uh, piece of the team for two years and then suddenly no, he that, becomes that, that no to, to me it's a general point that will apply also to shangun that will maybe talk about him later where the fit is cleaner because he, he's a very efficient player yeah. but uh with giddy i don't see the fit i the, the thing that i struggle the most with is time yeah. like how much time can he has uh, can he have on the court? Uh, because with Moody, you can play Beal, Westbrook, and Moody. Mm-hmm. With, with with Kispert, you can play the three of them. With Giddy, you can't. Uh, there is There will be very little time with Giddy and Westbrook on the court together because of spacing. So that part I hate. But in general, like, if you think that, that Giddy has the most upside and that maybe this year will be 10 minutes, but next year you think about a more prominent role... Then, then I, I'm not totally against it. Again, I, I agree. You need to have time to develop a guy. But, I mean, there are players that sit one year and then they come back and, and are different. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to do it with Giddy, but like taking a year where you fully, you take it fully to develop your shot, it's not terrible because the other things are there with him. All right, let's let's talk about Michele's guy, uh Alperen Shangun before we wrap up. He is fascinating. Uh, yeah. He's got a lot of old school to his game. 
He's he's a big man, but he's not like uh, he's not Joel Embiid. He's six nine. No. Uh, I I don't think he can touch Florida to to doorway top. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah, serious hit on him. Um, he he won MVP of the Turkish Super League last year as an eighteen-year-old, yeah. which is a pretty good league. It's certainly not a league where it's like an eighteen-year-old is winning MVP of it every year. I mean, there's there's talent in that league. That's a major accomplishment and it's not like he went into the year with everybody saying all right this is the guy who's going to win mvp of the league i i think it, and this is just based on some conversations i've had with with scouts who who look at this stuff i mean i think he took people by surprise with the production that he had this year um he's got some back to the basket to him he's very skilled uh and and you know it's it's kind of the i shouldn't say age old question but because it's more, it's really more of a modern question of all right, how is this guy going to fit? Because if his if his ultimate role means he doesn't just command the ball, but he commands time with the ball, then how are you working around this guy who likes to turn his back to the basket? And ultimately, in a league where the post-up is mostly dead, not all the way dead, but at least old-school post-ups where I'm going to turn around, I'm going to back you for seven seconds, there are like five to seven guys in the league are able to do that and create efficient offense. You know, Embiid can do it. Towns can do it. Westbrook's allowed to do it, but it doesn't create efficient offense. Uh, you know, there are very, very few guys in the league who can actually do it, and they create good offense. Now the post-up is he's used in other ways. You can create threes with it. Uh, if you're able to get mismatches and that kind of stuff, they come over, they double, you're creating standstill threes, and there, there are other ways to use the post-up. It's, it's, it's evolved. It's not like post-ups are gone. But they've changed from the way... That Shengun tends to use it, uh, and obviously that is not his only skill. But if you're going to take him particularly high, chances are you believe in that skill for him being able to create an efficient offense. He's very interesting. I actually think he's quite from the fun to watch from the stuff that I've watched on him. He is independent of how good he might be. I think he's very fun, um, and and the fit with the Wizards is. I don't know what it is and what it isn't because Daniel Gafford was in a spot this year where he, because of conditioning reasons, really couldn't play more than 20 minutes a game. So I don't think if you think that's a, a thing with Gafford moving forward where he can be really good, but only for 20, 22 minutes a night, you need another 20 to, you need another 26, 28 minutes at your center position. And Thomas Bryant is, is a talented player, but he's coming off a torn ACL. He, there's a realistic chance he misses the beginning of the year because he's still in injury recovery and he's going into the last year of his contract and and Bryant you know still is very much a struggling defensive player so I think you're in a position where if you believe he's the best guy there you can justify taking him Andrew take us away yeah he gosh the Wizards need a, a fourth rotation big this is what we're looking for to fill the spot. For yeah, resign, resign Robin Lopez. Cater, bring back, bring back Alex Lynn. How dare you? Add Thomas Bryant to it, and they'll go with a five center rotation. This yeah, time. no, I think I think he's crazy talented. His passing is really fun. He took a lot more jumpers toward the end of the season and into the playoffs, which is encouraging. Uh, he wasn't hitting threes at a high rate, but you can the shot doesn't look bad. I think there's a lot of things. You, 
with him, you have to just use your imagination. Because if you think he's going to be a good player, you have to take things like the free throw shooting, some of the jumpers he took toward the end of the season, saying, okay, I think that he'll connect on more of those. I think the shot will develop. I think he'll become a better player. Uh, then sure, he can get there. But if you think he's a if he, you think he's a throwback big, I always say, just don't take throwback bigs. Like, just don't do it. And McKelly doesn't agree with me. But there's certainly nope. the, the fear that coming into the NBA, that's his number one skill, is his ability to score this back to the basket on the low block. And if, if, that, if that's it, and he doesn't develop anything else at a high level, like, what do you have? You have a, a guy that's a situational big man. And at 15, if he lasts to 15, that is not the worst thing in the world to get there because I think he can really play. He was crazy productive for an 18-year-old. And he's still going to take time. And he's got a ton of skills. And he's also a little bit different than some of the other back-to-the-basket big men in the league is that he, he's not slow, like, he can run the floor well. Like, he's a pretty good athlete, too. Uh, he'll dunk on guys. So, I'm – Yeah. I don't know. I'm – I feel I have a lot of mixed emotions about him. Uh, I think he's really fun. I think he was spectacular this year. I do have a lot of concerns about the way it translates to the NBA. I disagree. I know. Yeah. I know you do. I know you do. Fight it no, out. I mean, it, it, <coughs> It, it's 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 not that I uh, that you 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 mention wrong stuff. It's actually all true. Um, but I want to do to, to make like three points. I hope I stick to three. Um, so first one, his story is interesting. He was not in shape a year ago yeah. uh, and was completely ineffective. Then he is in good shape, not exceptional shape, not more like uh, plant plant based Chris Paul <laughs> shape, uh, and the changed it changed everything for him i was faster like big guys could not stay in front of him he was crazy productive as an offensive rebounder i mean 1.56 points per possession in offensive rebound that is something that that alone will earn you play time as a backup big that alone um and then he he can play as a as a role man because he has He's not a crazy athlete, but he can dunk on you, as you mentioned. Um, and if you look at the number of possession that he used as a post-up player, it's just a quarter of his possession, which is okay, but it's not like, it's not 50% of them. It's not that this is the most frequent thing that he did a, a, in Turkey, where they still play a different kind of basketball. It's it's not that post-up is, is efficient there, because it's not, but... I'm kind of against the idea that only if you, only because you are good at it, then you should not be able to do it. Like mid-range shot, it's almost the same. I mean, uh, if you are an efficient post-up player, you need to be able to do that. And I think that Chengun can be an, a, a good post-up player, but it's not the only thing that he can do on the court. He will be able to spot up front three. That, I think, it's the key for him being a modern big because he can do everything. And I think he will be able to because the free throw shooting is exceptional for a big man. I think it's above 80%. And the motion is very good. And he just, I mean, in Europe, 
it's playing for a professional league. It's not that you will be able to take 10 trees per game. The coach will not allow that. If the coach says, well, you have to take post-ups because if you do it, we are efficient, then you do it. So to me, like he has a lot of skills, a lot. Post-up is what he used in Turkey for 25% of his possession. I remember uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ricardo Voice, who told me once, well, yes, Domas played post-up mostly at Gonzaga because what can you do? I mean, yes, he will be able to shoot trees, but he's shooting 72% at the rim. Why do you want him away from there? He will have time to learn. And guess what? He learned how to be a more like, well-rounded player offensively. So to me, Shengun is a high upside play. Uh, if he's there at 15, I would take him because Gafford, Robin Lopez, even Thomas Bryant, to me, I mean, it's not that you don't draft him because you have them. Uh, Gafford is a player that to me has a definite ceiling, so does Robin Lopez, and so probably does um, Thomas Bryant. I don't think that Shengun has a ceiling yet. And he may be a pick that will not help you as Giddy, uh, but he is high upside. Because, I mean, he can pass the ball. He's not Jokic by any means. Uh, Jokic is the best passer of all time or among them. But he's a capable passer uh, of the of post-ups. Like he, he took 150 post-up plays and 70 passes off, um, plus 70 passes. Like 150 end up in shot and, and 70 in pass. That is a good ratio for a post-up player. And those passes were good passes. So to me, there's more. It's not a throwback necessarily. And if he gets in shape and he's a little bit more athletic, I mean, that that's that that to me is very interesting. Yeah, very. very. If if he's there at sixteen, I have no doubt that OKC will draft him, um, because like the upside that the, is wiz- that very the Wizards high. will draft him. I think I think they should. If he's there, uh, well, if Kispert is is there, probably I would lean Kispert just because I I know the fit. If Moody is there, of, of course you you go Moody if you are the Wizards, yeah. but but if it's there at fifteen. And we will discuss uh, other players uh, like Garuba, uh, like Duarte. I mean, I don't see the upside with them. With Shengun, yeah, you are, you're probably not using him next year. Yeah. He'll probably play 10, 10, 15, and will probably be bad. Yeah. But he has the chance to be a very, very good big in five years. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's, let's wrap this thing up by saying you talk about Shengun not having a ceiling. I promise you that when he does have a ceiling, Moses Moody will be able to touch it while also touching the floor. <laughs> Barefoot. Barefoot. Doesn't even matter. Or with tuxedo shoes. In sandals. In sandals. In sandals. Or eleva- wow. elevator shoes. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> um, guys, this was great. Thank you for coming on. Uh, before we wrap up, I, I have a few pieces over at The Athletic DC that I wanted to let you guys know about. Uh, I had that aforementioned one where I spoke to a scout about eight guys in the Wizards range, and you can just kind of hear how, how the experts inside the league are talking about some of the players we spoke to about today, and, and, and even even more, you can go check that out, The Athletic DC. Also, on the Wizards coaching front, there are five known guys at the time of recording this who have gotten second interviews with them. Uh, Wes Unsell Jr., Jamal Mosley, who sounds like he's he's likely going to be going to 
uh, Orlando, uh, and then there's Darvin Ham, there's Charles Lee, and there's Ronald Norrit. Those guys have all been reported as having second interviews. I, I did a story where I spoke to somebody who, is, who has worked closely with each one of those guys, uh, someone who's worked closely with, with Unseld and worked closely with Ham and so on. Uh, and, and I did, I asked all of them the same five questions and, and got lots of anecdotes and, and, uh, you can read that and just kind of learn what each of them is about. You know, I, I think it's kind of impossible. I've talked about it on the podcast to separate if Wes Unsell Jr. or if Darvin Ham is a better coach from the outside. I, I have no idea and neither does probably anybody unless, uh, you know, John Horst listens to this podcast you know, I, I don't think anybody listening knows either. It's just impossible to tell from the outside what assistant coach is better for a head coaching job. But the point of this piece is not to tell who's the better one. It's just so you can learn some stuff about these guys. What makes them tick? What's their demeanor? What's their personality like? What kind of extras knows do they prioritize? All that kind of stuff. And I, I think the people I interviewed for this story did a really good job helping explain that kind of stuff. So check that out over at The Athletic DC as well. Uh, if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, you want to read those stories or anything else, you can sign up for a full subscription to The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, sign up for $3.99 a month, and that gets you everything. It gets you not just Wizards coverage, but all our NBA stuff, all our MLB stuff, everything else that we put on our site. It gets you this podcast and every other podcast that we have ad-free if you listen on the Athletic app. That's theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can sign up for $3.99 a month there. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Subscribe if you're not a subscriber already. Head on to iTunes, give us five stars, leave a review. I'll be back with another episode next week. And, uh, you know, if the Wizards make a decision on the coach, I'll obviously be doing an emergency podcast on that whenever that happens down the line. I will talk to you guys soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.